left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence into worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys giving these guys up one at a time. Welcome to another episode of Mafia Truths. I'm Felix Levine. To my right, John A. Light. We've got Johnny A. Light, his son, joining us on Zoom is Rob Van Dam. But before um, we get into it, a quick reminder to, to subscribe to our Patreon channel. Uh, we post all content early there, bonus content. Uh, you get discounts on merch. We do uh, our live call-ins now. So if you want to become part of that Patreon family, uh, the link to that is in the description of this video. A quick reminder to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and then... Uh, these bats over here that we've been selling uh, as memorabilia. This is signed. a special bat that I signed to Rob, actually. So, brother, this is for you. And uh, anybody that wants a baseball bat, uh, get in touch with Felix, get in touch with our show. Or, or, or just johnnylight.com. You guys can uh, buy it right there. Um, and so let's hop into it. Rob Van Dam, sir, thank you for uh, taking the time and uh, coming on. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor to meet you. Great honor. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I watch the show a lot. You know, a lot of our other guys' shows too. Like before, uh, before the pandemic, it seems like there was like maybe you know one or two, and then and then three, and now there's like so many, uh, so many guys, ex mobsters doing the shows. But um, uh, glad to be on, dude. I appreciate it. And for the people who don't know, we have a, a good mutual friend, Phil Baroni from the UFC. Now he used to live with me at some time, and I know you guys are buddies, and uh, that's coincidental. We didn't know that originally. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, if you feel cool about telling any of his stories or not when he was when he was with you, but uh, he he's got one on YouTube where he, he's talking about him. Uh, I don't know if I guess he maybe he was collecting some money or, or something, and he got jumped and they split his they stabbed his head, they sliced yeah. his head. He didn't get into detail uh, except for pretty much what I just said, and yeah. I saw that, and uh, I assume maybe that might have been. Uh, in your neck of the woods. Yeah, well, they say when they used to call him bad, you know, badass in New York and people, you know, make comments. And I'm saying, well, this kid le legitimately is a tough kid from the street before he got in a ring with UFC, before he got into wrestling. And now I'm going to bring him in on a 10-part uh, project I'm doing. 
with uh, a lot of mob guys. I'm bringing him in because of his background, actually involvement with me, living with me, and his father used to work for me. So uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a background with me and Phil Baroni, and uh, you know I really love the guy. He's a wild yeah. guy, you know that, and he's a cool kid, yeah. and, and you know. Yeah. So uh, I actually met him like a long time ago at a, a Direct TV event. I was with the WWE. I think it was 2002 or three or something. And, you know, they had booths set up like, uh, and, um, you know, I, I remember meeting him. I knew who he was. I'm, I'm an MMA fan. Um, but this was 2000, it was August, either 2015 or 16. It was 15, 2015. <laughs> they used to do this wrestling convention uh, annually in uh, North Carolina. And, uh, and I, and he, I, I, you know, uh, we hooked up there. Uh, he came to the Q and a that I was doing and, you know, he, he, even though he's a fighter, he likes to do pro wrestling too. You know, and yeah. I can't remember what he asked me some questions when I was doing a Q and a and, uh, man, fast forward to the end of the night, we were so drunk, <laughs> so drunk. Like I, I drank a lot during this, this time period of my life, you know, right. Uh, not not proud of anybody that saw me around there, but it was ridiculous. We ended up in the in the pond, the hotel pond, <laughs> and and it's got cement bottom on it, so we were so scraped up. But um, I woke up, had a broken foot the next day. I had to, I, you know, I was limping around like, dude, my foot is broke. What happened? <laughs> um, we had fun, but one of my buddies you know, trying to look out for me because like I said, I was drinking a lot at the time. He was trying to keep me in check and he fucking uh, had it recorded on his cell phone and I had to watch myself. That's the worst, dude. What, when you're when you're sober, watching yourself be a drunk asshole, you know, I was like, I'm gonna get you, Phil. <laughs> I like fall down on my own and he, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I went to see him the other day and I pulled up to the house and eight cop cars pulled up alongside us. So <laughs> that that started and that was our reunion. We're back and, you know, he got locked up again. I had to bail him out. And, you know, the, oh. the cops were real cool, though, actually. And yeah. uh, th they said to me, uh, you guys going to be cool here? You're going to give us trouble. And and I says, no, you guys keep the stun guns away. You know, I'll talk to him. And, yeah, and Phil was real cool. You know, guys that don't know Phil, yeah, he's dangerous. He's wild. But he's he's a, he's a cool guy, man, and and uh, you know I love him because he's always in the, in the middle of some mix, and so he 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 deserves that name that he uh, got nicknamed badass in New York because he really is. But he's a good hearted guy, and that's the part a lot of people don't know about him. Just don't get in his way the wrong way, and uh, and you know so he's gonna be he's gonna be something on the new series that we're gonna do, and you know I I can't wait till he starts filming with us actually. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, cool. hey, Rob, Johnny over here has a, has a few questions. I don't know if we can turn the computer, but uh, hold on. Yeah, I probably can't. But no, that's all right. uh, What's up, Rob? So what's up, John? nothing much, man. We've been in talks and, uh, you know, it was nice. Obviously, we had a good introduction and all that. And we know what Your this voice sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously, we know kind of what my father and Felix kind of try and tailor these types of shows for trying to steer these kids away from, you know, the bad and the dark and all that other stuff. Um, you know, we're kind of curious just to hear your story because I know you're a big marijuana advocate, CBD. Um, you know, you got your own line. Uh, you're working on some other lines. Um, we're just, I'm curious and we want to kind of 
you know, shed some light as to what you went through, um, you know, and how you kind of started to steer your way away from the law and kind of some of the run-ins you might have had if you, you know, if that's something you're comfortable with talking about. Oh, I'm comfortable talking about anything. Sounds good, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very uh, genuine and and, uh, and and overly honest to a flaw. <laughs> um, so, uh you know what? Interestingly enough, uh, because of the way I was brought up, uh, see, I was taught in high school that marijuana is a dangerous drug, mm -hmm. right? And it's like acid, heroin, stay away from it. It's bad news. But when I was, uh, you know, looking into being a professional wrestler, these athletes that I looked up to, they liked marijuana. I actually stayed away from it until uh, uh, we we had a wrestling trip in Jamaica, and it was my 21st birthday, coincidentally, on, wow. on that tour. And um, we uh, we were all in this uh, bungalow. One of the wrestlers, uh, Jimmy Backlund, just uh, peer pressured me into it. You know, he was like, "Hit it, hit it, <laughs> Prima Donna! It's not going to kill you. Hit it. We all hit it. Fuck it." And I was like, "All right, you know." Um, <laughs> 21 years old. I actually didn't enjoy my first experience either, but uh, shortly after, I guess I started doing it uh, with a bouncer that, that I worked with. I was bouncing at this country bar in Tampa. Um, same year I got the name Rob Van Dam. This is a uh, 91. It was so long ago. Um, I hope but, it wasn't my club, was it? I owned a couple, American Cowboy, I owned Stampedes. Those were my clubs. <laughs> Cowboy. Um, that one sounds familiar. That was, was on one... Waters in Del Del Mabry. We were right next door to um uh what's his name from the WWE? He was uh he was in town. He owned the gym, he owned the Gold's gym at the time. Um I can't remember his name, but we were on Waters. That was my club with my partner Cam. He would passed away since. Later on he opened up the club Hogs with uh with um uh Terry. Um Hulk Hogan, him and, yeah, him and Hulk opened up that place after that. I wasn't you know involved in that one. You're making like my, my skin crawl a little bit here because <laughs> I think that was the place. Yeah, I think um, it worked I, for me. But it was, you know, this, this place was changed to the Wild West Club. Right, I know the Wild West Club. It's a little, it's a little further. It's a little further. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Because yeah. there was one also at that time that was like the Dallas Bull. Dallas Bull. I, th I think it's still there, Dallas Bull. It's been there for okay. years. I've been in the Tampa area for years. I owned a lot of clubs there. So I okay, had the stampedes yeah. later on. I think that was '94. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. So, so I've been there. I remember that. That's why it sounds so familiar. But yeah, uh, there was a point where, uh, looking back at it, you know, from experience, we were assholes uh, bouncing. Like we were like, man, we need to get some respect in here. You know, we need to start hurt <laughs> some people. And and the Dallas Bull, they, you know, they, we thought they had respect. You know, people weren't starting fights as much in their club and. So we were out to be assholes and hurt people, which was so stupid, you know. To yeah, we're young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was young till my mid forties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, somewhere along the line, you know, I guess I started using marijuana regularly, um, and uh, and at the same time, I was learning that most of the reasons that it was prohibited was just straight up bullshit that was put out in the thirties and a lot of that hadn't changed, you know? And I, and I just, I kind of felt like I needed to explain to people cause 
they were like smoking cigarettes everywhere. Everyone smoked cigarettes and they were pot shaming me. And I wanted to tell everybody like, no, cigarettes kill one out of two long-term users. 50% of cigarette smokers die from it if they don't stop. And marijuana is not capable of causing fatality. I'm like, you, you have to understand, you know, and I, I just knew that eventually um, everybody would understand. So I became an advocate early on. Now know? I know why my son follows you because you know, he, I know so it's you <laughs> that, that turned him on to the marijuana that he smokes because he's a fan of yours also. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I came to terms with that a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know if I've uh, caused anybody to get hurt, you know, by, uh, by my example that I lead as, but uh, if they were, it's only either by the law or by family member or someone that's against it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm not saying no one has ever smoked something and, and been stupid and gone out and done something stupid. That happens all the time with anything. But but um, I know that I've helped a lot of people, and so that's why. Um, one time I was overseas, uh, somewhere in the UK, and I was smoking. A, I, I went outside and I was smoking a joint in the parking lot. Uh, of this this building complex and then i realized like my back was against this one-way window and it kind of looked like a school and i was thinking like man there could be a bunch of kids just looking <laughs> smoking right now i don't know what's on their side and and then my thought was i hope they if if so i hope they know that this is marijuana not not cigarettes yeah. you know like i like yeah, I, yeah. i'm all right with that you know if, if people can do it responsibly if they can't you know yeah. then that's on them. I don't think I put any irresponsible messages out there. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Rob, how how often do you how often do you smoke? Um, all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And is there is there something specific that it, that it helps you with? Like, is there a reason as to you doing it? Like, I know for myself, it helps me anxiety, um, especially to sleep at night. I have a very hard time sleeping. Yeah, so the the best way I can explain it is it makes me feel like I'm at my best, you know. Awesome. Um, there was a point when I walked away from WWE, you know, I had, uh, I was, you know, I was in a, on top, really good position. But when I was on the very top, I got busted. That's when I was the WWE champion and ECW champion. And I got uh, pulled over, possession of marijuana lost both championships, suspended 30 days. That was a, a, a very well publicized um, moment in my career, uh, you know, it, and, it, and it did suck. Uh, but shortly after that, my contract had ex expired and I didn't want to resign and they wanted me to. And, you know, they, we tried negotiating and I was just like so burnt out. And, and, and really what was behind that is that I'd just been wrestling already, you know, for so long. And I felt like I had I had the mind and the body, but but I was learning about my spirit and how it was my spirit was unhealthy. Um, and, you know, I was unmotivated. Um, anyway, to jump from there to answer your question, it's now like my main goal is like spirit first, and I'm always trying to uh, raise my spiritual vibration because the higher my vibration, the better frequency I'm putting out the better life is and 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 mm -hmm. i i love my life and so for that reason when i smoke 
um, it actually uh, helps uh, helps my spiritual ascension, and uh, and that's and from that matter, all good things come. You know, when you're when you're vibrating at your best and you're feeling good, that's when synchronicities happen. That's when uh, that's when you're on your game. You know, yep. you can't. It's like you can't feel good and and be thinking bad thoughts, and you can't uh, think you can't think bad thoughts and feel good at the same time. You know, it's like when you're thinking good. You feel good and you know boom hence i feel like i'm at my best awesome for everything i could do it yeah i could tell you i could explain it physically you know with the pain and the um and, and yeah anxiety performance uh it, it's it, it it can help reset me especially if i've had to travel overseas several hours uh now we have pens so we hit those anywhere yeah, yeah. um but but you know if, it, if there's a lot going on it kind of resets me and even if you're in a different time zone or whatever, it allows me to engage um, in the moment and engage with life from my best perspective. Well, you had some brushes with the law over the years, right? You think it helped your your temperament when not, you know, raising your hand sometimes or, or you know, losing your temper with other people? And by the way, it was Ric Flair that was next door to me back in Tampa, <laughs> back in those days. He was a good dude oh with God. me. So, yeah. So I'm going yeah. back. We and. And actually, uh, Hulk Hogan's son was in prison with me in, in Pinellas County, unfortunately, when he had the uh, situation oh, with his friend. And, you know, it was a terrible situation. But uh, giving, yeah. me those, giving me those bumps again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nick lives like four or five blocks from. <clears throat> yeah, does he? Yeah. Synchronicities. See? Yeah. Yeah. It's because I'm talking about our energy being yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen when visit. you're down. Yeah. It doesn't happen when you're angry yeah. or upset or nervous doesn't yeah, you're like yeah. disconnected from the universe and yeah. i've been studying that since i uh became aware of my spiritual weakness and now it's like it's priority right awesome right. do you but going back to john's question do you feel like those um you know run-ins with the with the law uh you know kind of changed you um or more made you a better person because one of the things that we try to kind of advocate on this show especially with john and his past is um you know trying to help kids that have or will have run-ins with the law to try to make sure that those don't happen um and and steering their their lives away from that so kind of curious to, to know what what that experience or those experiences did for you um for the greater good i think watching these youtube videos of the uh first amendment auditors has uh, made me a better person more prepared to deal with the police i love watching those things some of the guys are idiots you know that shouldn't really represent but i don't know if you watch those uh yeah they're amazing you know yeah. like uh, roll your window down no i'm cool i can't hear you yeah you can you got some id for what what crime do you i love watching those like, <laughs> yeah. i love those um they those are empowering to watch those you know and, and learn like wow the cops you know have to have accountability too that's that's awesome because they you know they, they do uh they are used to uh uh, enforcing their morals and feelings on top of you know the law but um i don't know if it made me a better person because um i'm trying to find a perspective where i can say yes it made me a more experienced person just like everything does but um over the years i think about the many many times i've been uh fined and or kicked out of hotel rooms uh, find at their car rentals, uh, you know, tickets by the police. Only that one was really, really public yeah. um, because I had both championship belts. So by the time I was at the arena, 
because I was telling my partner, Sabu, call the boss. I'm like, dude, are you crazy? Why would we be telling ourselves? Dude, it'll blow over. Because I was used to it blowing over. Um, but by the time we got there, it was all over every form of media. It was huge news. And uh, so you know, I had to pay the consequences. What people don't know is after the 30-day suspension, I think it was like two weeks later or something, Bam! I got pulled over for speeding in New Jersey, and had and I had dropped the like the joint, and I couldn't like reach it on the floor when I pulled it over, <laughs> like a big Lebowski scene or something. I was I was fucked, and and anyway, that one actually caused me a lot more stress and and um, um, discomfort just because it was I had to go back to New Jersey a couple times I think and and uh had to go to court and um it was a it was a pretty big deal they never made it out or else I mean I would have fired me you know what I mean like but the point I'm trying to make is I don't think I really learned my lesson um I got because I, it happens so much and because I'm on TV and have been for so long, I also am kind of used to getting away with a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like whether somebody watches wrestling now um, or they used to watch it and they quit watching 20 years ago, that's still my era. You know, I've been wrestling over 30 years. And so I've impacted a lot of people's lives in a way where when they see me, you know, they act like little kids, you know, like, holy shit, or they get people get excited, you know, and it's, it's really awesome. But that has gotten me out of a lot of trouble, you know, (laughs) not not every time, but um, a lot of times, you know, and so um, I I think what I did really um, was I just moved to a a more liberal state. I moved to California, (laughs) where we where it was cold to smoke weed. And now I live in Nevada, which is just as cool. So that's, that's what getting busted made me do. And (laughs) but it did make me a stronger advocate too. you know, Rob, what was your your most memorable moment wrestling your your biggest moment that you recall that you loved about the most when you were involved with WWE, something that you you something that you really uh, you know, that people remember. Yeah, easy. <laughs> um, when when I won the WWE championship from John Cena at One Night Stand, like all fans watching this, you know, will be like, yeah, that was awesome. It really was. Uh, and the reason that it was such a highlight of my for my career was because my heart never left uh, the, the hardcore – style of ECW, which was a much smaller company. And when I went to WWE, uh, I kind of thought that I was selling out, you know, and they they could have made me a different character. Who knows? You know, they they had been known for doing some crazy stuff, but they had bought ECW. So I was there to represent. That was super cool because it added depth instead of erasing my history. I was really happy about that. And then I had the hardcore title and that was like being an ECW. Um, I stuck to that always. And I catered towards the fans that would chant ECW. And I, and I went to Vince one time, uh, Vince McMahon. Right. And I said, you know, why don't we do an ECW pay-per-view, you know, one, one night, just like a reunion, like, cause the styles are so different. There's like no rules, you know, an ECW. And uh, he said, Rob, I think that's a great idea. And, and, and we did it. And it was a huge success. Um, such a big success that next year we did it again. That's when I won the championship. And, and then we added a third brand. Like there's 
uh, Raw and SmackDown. Now we're adding a third brand based on that pay-per-view. And it was all, everything went down because of that seed in my mind. And it was like, for me, that was a really big accomplishment in my career to to make that happen. I, I have no doubt I wouldn't have ever been the top guy world champion if I hadn't changed the entire playing field and then been, and then I was the best representative for that. Um, so I was the right foot to put forward. And so for all those reasons, um, that's my crowning moment. You ever think about like, you know, and you, you know, you look back and I know you don't look at yourself, but people look at you and your career as a, you know, obviously a superstar, you weren't in everybody's house. How many kids that look up to you over the years and not just kids, uh, men, adults, women. You ever think about that? And you look at yourself and humble yourself and say, wow, it's incredible how many people really follow me and know about me and really, you know, they cherish the memories of you. Yeah, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people believe, you know, like you just keep doing it. It's all about the kids. And, and really, you know, the, the best memories um, are the women. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is it, it is it is incredible uh you know like i said it's it's kind of like magic like a superpower making everybody happy and stuff and it is always incredibly um impressive like if a good looking chick right in front of your boyfriend or whatever you know saying, oh my god i love you can i get a photo and you know it's it's a perk you know um i, I was thinking before about this and I've heard so many ex-mobsters when they're asked about what attracted them to the lifestyle, this and that. A lot of them talk about the superstar treatment. You know, they say, oh, you didn't have to wait in line anywhere. You get the best tables. And I mean, that's that's the way, you know, you get treated when you're on TV. So I think that's uh, one of many, many things. Uh, and we get that, the best photos sent to us. <laughs> hey, hey rob question for you um what is it about the the mafia that or you know former mobsters that that interests you that is a is a is a great question i i think um it's a combination of things um a lot of it i think is the is the the characters you know, because like um, I've always like obsessed about one one thing at a time from what I can remember. I used to love Greek mythology. I loved comic books. I got into Hollywood history and then that got me into mafia history. You know, I was uh, because Bugsy Siegel lived up there by, you know, Lake Hollywood and came over here in the in the 30s. And then um, and then I just uh, it, it, it's it fascinates me and I love the the nonfiction aspect of thinking that I spend so much time watching documentaries and, and reading books. Um, uh, and, and, and a lot of it interconnects in ways that people don't know with the government, with the world, you know, like even if it's like uh, big businesses that people know and they don't know the stories behind them and stuff, they have no idea like how, how much part of our daily fabric that is. And I think that um, it's a combination of, uh, of that and also the fact that the lifestyle is just so much different than mine that I find that compelling. You but, know, uh, honestly, but, uh, I, I mean, I got to tell you, uh, if I if I like hit a squirrel with my car and killed it, I would I would probably pull over and try and save it. And it would ruin my day. I'd be like really sad. 
That's that seems a lot different than uh, some of the violence and stuff that comes from these stories. But I actually feel the same way about animals. So animals are innocent. So I would probably feel the same way. But I think you know what I think it is. I think it's because we put ourselves on the edge. We're always on the edge in in our lifestyle. And uh, you know I think a lot of it is a compa comparison to you guys where we're on, uh, adrenaline junkies. I mean you guys are too. You're in a, in a different way, in a positive way. You know our True. adrenaline is. And then that, but it's still an adrenaline rush, and I think we can relate to each other that way. And and you know, yeah. obviously, we're in you know we're in uh, whether we like it or not on our end, we're in front of the media uh, because we're out in the forefront. So I think that's something, uh, it, you know. yeah. And at the same time, I don't know if you know about this or not, but when you're not in the media, um, both pro wrestling and the uh, the mafia life, you know. Um, they're closed door societies. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, maybe you know this. Yeah. Um, it, it used to be, you know, uh, when I got in, it was changing. Now it's way different, but it used to be, uh, nobody ever was even allowed in the building and they were in it to, to see if the wrestlers were in the ring before the show or anything like that. Anybody, uh, when I was in it still, you know, the, through the mid nineties, um, Rest, uh, if like uh, building people came into the dressing room, they'd get beat up yeah. and thrown out. And that, that's that's the way it was. We even had um, our own Omerta that was called k right. And uh, And, you know, we didn't do the blood oath and all that, but but the wrestlers were sworn to k because that's how they made their living, you know? And, and so, you know, there's one guy, one guy that uh, flipped, did an interview with 2020, uh, he's a friend of mine now, um, Eddie Mansfield, um, and and he went and he told uh, John Stossel uh, a bunch of secrets about the wrestling, and he was like blackballed from the entire business. Yeah. You know, that's another similarity. You know, well, you know, I I started to say something before, and you know, when Hulk Hogan, were, you know, I know him as Terry, obviously from, and the fans that know him, Hulk Hogan, you know, I wanted to say something about him because when. Things go bad for guys, and you know that in, in wrestling, you get a lot of people attacking the other way. When he had the situation with his son, I felt for him because he'd, he'd come visit the prison to see his son, and nobody wants to see their kid in that situation. I have a son that's in prison, and his kid was a good kid. And, you know, you only hear the negative of a terrible accident that happened between friends. So, you know, yeah. I, I, you know I want to say something to him and, and, and make sure I say this, that, you know, some guys, you know, they don't know the situation or his life on a personal level. And the guy was a good guy. His kid was a real good kid in jail. And uh, he stayed to himself. And, you know, he had the struggling moments, obviously not. And I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about the mental that I try to keep kids off the street for. Because when you're put in those situations and the guilt of what went on with his friend and some of the stuff that come with it is back to our message of uh, staying off the street and, and doing positive things. So I, I hope some of these stories, you know, and you're, 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 uh, uh, what you're saying resonates with some of these kids that are listening to us. Oh, it, dude, it totally does. I get I get feedback all the time, and people love just the 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 positive aspects of just being genuine. You know, I I am what I wanted to be when when I was a kid. You know, I'm a I'm a superhero. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, um, I mean, I'm an image. You know that that 
the image is like a superhero. But what I mean by that, though, is that um, I have reached a level where, you know, I used to love collecting action figures. Dude, I, I have 80 different action figures made of me. That, that, that's a lot. That's awesome. um, I used to love playing video games. I'm in a bunch of video games. A lot of perks that come. I used to love action movies and, you know, I've done a ton of action movies and I, I still do some of those. And um, I like that, to fight you in a video game. Not in person. I don't <laughs> I want to get thrown around. I got a bad back and hip. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not stupid either. You know, that's why I carried a bat around. But, yeah, <laughs> my friend Jason David Frank, I don't know if you know him, he's a Green Ranger, and he's a very personal friend of mine. And, he, you know, and, he, and again, he's a superhero, and, you know, so I know the mentality and of you. You're, I mean, you're a well, well-known uh, character in, 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 in this world. And... Uh, it's it's got to be uh, rewarding to know that so many people look up to you and look to hear what you have to say, and you know, yeah, it, even it for us, I mean, even for us to hear from you. I mean, obviously, you know, we we're really looking forward to this. It's awesome. You know, life is uh, all about making decisions, and uh, and and I don't think there's an exception. That's like that's everything. You know, throughout your whole life, you got to make the right decisions and. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people don't seem to be equipped to do that. I've seen people making the uh, the wrong decisions. My decisions have always been different. You know, not everybody in my high school wanted to be a professional wrestler. It was very odd. You know, I had a lot of people, adults, kids telling me that I was crazy. Me and uh, my friend, uh, Dango, we were both going to be pro wrestlers, and of course, we were swimming upstream, you know, we, we weren't allowed to talk about wrestling anymore in some classes because we were so obsessed with it. And, uh, and I remember back then, you know, I didn't have any connection uh, to the industry. In fact, nobody that lived in Battle Creek, Michigan knew anybody famous. Like the TV set was um, an entry, a portal to a different dimension. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same world. And, and so to cross over like that, um, I know that back then I would have thought, man, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to come back to my high school reunion. I'm going to put it in everyone's faces. And, uh, but <laughs> truth is um, that one, they know it. And, and, and I've just grown so much that, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy uh, with and grateful for my path that I have. And, and, you know, I've argued many decisions, uh, many decisions that I made along the way. I've had people try to try to change for me and make me think like they think. And we all got our own set of values and our values are um, built for us with our own principles. And um, so um, it, it's it's really awesome to, to be in a position where uh, I, I just hope even even people that I'm that might have used to you know, be naysayers and didn't believe me and whatever, there's still time for you to hop on, you know, be happy, you know. 100%. I know you got to buy my, my action figures for your kids and you used to you used to hate me, but, um, you know, <laughs> it's all good. Let's grow together. <laughs> so before we kind of, you know, kind of wrap this up, Rob, I wanted to uh, just have you, you know, talk about a little bit about your CBD company, um, where you're at with it, um, exactly, you know, kind of some of the benefits um, you know, where you guys are growing to, just a little bit of a background, you know, just let some of the people know about it. Absolutely. Um, by the way, John, uh, there also, you know, there used to be approximately 27 different 
uh, wrestling companies uh, back in the territorial days that all had control of their own cities and, and shit, very much like the, the mafia families, you know, about the same number spread across the country. And just like, kind of like the commission, kind of, uh, there was a national, uh, it, it was the NWA, uh, the national legislation or, or administration that, that umbrellaed over the whole country and that all these 26 families like paid up to and stuff. So, you know, interesting. Yeah, not to mention like uh, there's a lot of personal like Dino Bravo, the Canadian strongman, got taken out by the mafia, but his uncle was Vito Petroni, um, brand after the Rizzutos up there. And right, uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories I've come across. I've always thought there was room for discussion or or a book or, or something. I don't know. Definitely. It's, yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, I've been an advocate. Uh, I used to put a lot more energy into advocating uh, a long time ago when I thought it was more of an uphill battle because, like I was saying before, people got to know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. People got to people got to know that marijuana is, is a Schedule One controlled substance. Nixon put us there in 1970 temporarily, and it's in the. It, that means it's the most dangerous. Marijuana is the most dangerous drug with zero medicinal value even though they have a patent and sell Marinol <laughs> with the synthetic Marinol to patients. But they say because of that, they arrest hundreds of thousands of people a year still, put them in prison, sell their homes, yep. destroy their lives. <clears throat> people don't care as much if it doesn't affect them, but it's crazy. Like that's since 1970, they've never changed marijuana's uh, schedule on the control. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that comes soon. I think they're I think they're working towards that federally. So I'm, I'm they've been working on it forever, and it is going to come soon. Uh, we have uh, just about two thirds of the states that have uh, have have stated that it's and have medicinal policies anyway. Yep. So um, I, I've heard that mandates a change. Um, we'll okay. see, but but slowly that's crazy. but surely, slowly but so, surely. Yeah. So so anyway, I used to put more energy into telling people something I didn't think they knew. Now, I think most people know a lot of the, you know, marijuana doesn't make you violent and make you want to kill your family with a frying pan and uh, <laughs> it doesn't make you aggressive. And, and I think a lot of people realize that now and, and over 50%, maybe 65 on some uh, statistics think that uh, it should be legal recreationally. Um, uh, because of that, you know, I haven't, I haven't attended as many activities. I used to talk to the college in LA, all kinds of stuff. Um, but here, here's what, um, are we running short on time? A little bit. We'll be all right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, th this is what, what spurred me having my own, my own company. Um, wrestlers from my generation are dead. Mm -hmm. They, they've all either overdosed yep. on opiates or they've committed suicide as a uh, byproduct of CTE from the concussions that mm -hmm. we all get. And that's that's a major problem, you know, it was an epidemic they were saying a while ago, wrestlers uh, 45 years and younger, bam. Um, the guys nowadays, not so much. This generation, one, they smoke marijuana instead of taking pills and stuff. Yep. Two, because of uh, people like RVD that have changed the business, um they are a lot more athletic um they're smaller they're like 180 pound guys 
where it used to be 280 pound guys that could drink beer because the style didn't really demand that much physical activity. Now you got to be an acrobat. You got to really be a legit athlete and live that lifestyle. Yeah. So they're not out partying. They're not taking all the pills and drinking. If anything, they're smoking. They're, they're going to live a lot longer. Um, so many of my friends have uh, off themselves. Uh, I was reading about CBD and CBG, which is like a precursor to CBD, uh, uh, helping with that issue. Okay. Um, possibly even regenerating a dead brain tissue. Really? Um, and I've always thought about putting my name on a cannabis brand, but there wasn't ways to protect it as much until it became quasi legal. And now with the packaging and everything, I think. Um, that that interested me um so so that brought me in i didn't just put my name on, on some products I, I i tested came up with formulas um my pain product is the best the, the best in the industry it's loaded with menthol so you feel it working right away you get that cold burn it makes the pain go away at least temporarily and then it's loaded with the, the highest um <laughs> Uh, milligrams of CBD and that that works with your own healing system it tells it to heal um, both locally on the skin and when it gets into your endocannabinoid system inside uh, so it, it's really great and we have tinctures we have uh, RVD rolling papers which are real popular since I had those on Wrestlemania um, I gotta get my hands on some of this stuff yeah the uh, RVD documentary um, icons the WWE did at the end of that, they show me giving Vince McMahon a pack of my RVD rolling papers. So that was really cool. You got a website, um, uh, Rob, with RVD? RVDCBD.com. Okay. Yeah. And and we're also getting into um, THC. That, of course, has to be grown and licensed differently in each state. You can't mail that off of a website. So that's going to be uh, separate. But uh, we... We just just signed contracts uh, just a few days ago, uh, doing stuff uh, both internationally and in uh, some states here, like uh, California and Oklahoma. Um, we're awesome. we're uh, quality product. We're always uh, collaborating uh, with uh, other companies, creating new product or expanding our brand, and it's just uh, it's really awesome. I've never been part of something that was so positively energized. Like everybody. Everybody uh, that gives me feedback on my product, they're thanking me for helping improve the quality of their life. They say even when they try out other CBDs, didn't work. They tried mine and, and, and it does. And that's that's for a reason because I made my stuff. I was going to say you made it yourself and you tested yeah, it totally. out. So that's a, that's a big, 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 uh, big thing. Big yeah. Thing. Hey, Rob, uh, last question here. Do you, uh, and I'm always curious to when I'm talking to guests, um, to know, you know, how you know, hopefully many more years of healthy life, but um, especially you, you've touched so many people and uh, you know, you'll have your, your WWE. I never touched them, that was a room. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was Joe Biden. Nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> do, how do you hope that, uh, that people remember you as, as not only as the entertainer, but, uh, but as a man? Um, I suspect and and hope that I go down as a trailblazer who did it my way. You know, I have three documentaries um, done about me. One of a kind, this RVD icons and a Headstrong on Amazon. Um, you watch those, you know me. You know way more than you ever thought you would know about me. Because like like I said, I think in a documentary you should really get to know 
the person uh, it's about. And um, and I think they really got it. WWE got it. You know, I always had to do everything my way. I was always frustrated with conformity, you know, and that's something that I would love for kids to get from this whole thing. Uh, not just kids, adults too. Like I really did not enjoy that part of being a kid when a kid said that you had to wear the right tennis shoes or you weren't cool, mm-hmm. you know, um, that shirt doesn't go with those pants or what are you doing hanging around with that kid? Nobody likes yeah. them. Like when I think about those things, it, it, it still bothers me, even though that was 40 years ago, you know? And so as an adult, like I refuse to, to, to strive to be uh, mediocre, you know, who right. wants to be, the regular people, the status quo. I don't. So uh, I want to be me. And sometimes I'm strongly opinionated about the direction that I want to go as an artist, as a person, whatever. I've always stuck to my guns. And and that's how I got where I got, how I stood out. I'm called one of a kind, you know, I'm referred to as being the most unorthodox wrestler. Um, Cool. You know, I'm just me. And, And I really think that and hope that people can be comfortable just being them as well. Awesome. Yeah. The locker room, by the way, the locker room is very much still like being in high school (laughs) with with 40-year-olds or whatever. I think maybe whenever a bunch of men are around each other, they know too much about each other, you know? You know, it's like, hey, Felix, so what happened with that uh, girl you brought home last night from the bar? You know that was a dude, right? You know, I have a lot of control over my world, my universe. That's that's my day to day life, you know. And and I I prefer it that way. Like I said, spirit first. I'm all about Zen. I don't have uh, stresses, and when I do, I gotta fix them and remove them. Awesome. Hey, Rob, it was really a pleasure having you. And we definitely got to get together as soon as I shoot out to California. uh, Vegas. You know, get in touch with you, Vegas. We go out to Lake Tahoe and. uh, Talking to John Jr. too, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. something happened out that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Appreciate it, right, guys. All right, thanks thank so much, man. Rob. Thank you so Follow much. Follow me at the Real RVD. Uh, you know, bam, the whole fucking show. <laughs> yeah, right. easy, bro. Thank we'll you so you. much. Thanks, Rob.